Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Dylan Holman and joining me is seasoned trader Henry Ward, who has over 10 years experience in the markets. Hi, everyone. How are you? The podcast has a simple format, which will see us talking about the top three financial stories in the news. This week, we're looking at IPOs, natural gas and Berry Global Group. First things first, though, Henry, how's your week been? The, the week so far, the beginning of the week has been very, very strange. We, um, we had a big build up last week on the webinar about non-farm payroll, um, how the jobs data is going to come out. And as, as it looked, as suspected that the jobs data come out much better than expected. Um, I think the expected was 850,000 that actually come out with 650,000 were, were unemployed. So the jobs data was much, much better than expected. But then what happened? Well, I imagine the markets reacted because that's quite, you know, quite significant improvement on what the forecasts were on jobs data, right? Yeah, but we expected the market to react, but something else happened. Just got you, got you loud and clear. Well, what else? Yeah, President Trump, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. what, what day did that happen compared uh, to the jobs data? Yeah, the jobs data came out on Friday. And then, yeah, I think, what was that, Monday then I was, I think. Then he came out at two o'clock in the morning and, and announced that he, had, um, that he had coronavirus. And then all of a sudden the market then stopped. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it literally went the other way. So um, I actually took a position short on EURUSD and ended up getting stopped out because of it. Um, which was which was quite funny. Well, that's Even one though, of the pitfalls, isn't it, of trading a CFD rather than the underlying asset is oh, that you can get yeah stopped out pretty pretty quickly if things uh, go against you. Absolutely, it was a it was a one day move, and I ended up getting stopped out because of it. So yeah, it was it was quite funny that yeah everything everything lined up fundamentals, technicals, perfect, and then Trump. I got trumped again. We <laughs> that's your one for the podcast. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I got trumped. <laughs> Okay, well, let's start with uh, the first topic then, which is IPOs. IPO obviously stands for Initial Public Offering. Now, between the 15th and the 29th of September, we had seven company IPOs. Sounds a lot, but is that normal? Well, see, through the, through the pandemic and over the last couple of years, no. But remember when we had the dot-com boom, we, we, had, we had loads and loads of companies that were IPO and we had IPOs everywhere. So it, it is not unheard of to have that many, um, but it's not... It's not usual for the times that we're having now, um, but one of the one of the big things about this is everything is tech related. So it's no coincidence that all seven of these IPOs are actually tech companies. Just to break it down, what are kind of the the fundamental reasons why a company would IPO? Oh well, the, the, there's only one reason why a company will IPO, <laughs> and that's to make money. Simple as that. That there's no other. There's no other reason that they are. They just want to generate more money. They want to get the the board. Um, they want to get more revenue. Want to release more equity uh, for the company. Now it could be one that you have greedy shareholders, or it could be one that they're looking to expand, and it's the easiest way to actually start generating money for the company so it can expand and grow. Okay, so you have company A. And they've just IPO'd. Is that typically a really good time to get in, get kind of like a ground level? Or is it better just to kind of wait and see how the market reacts to this new listing and then kind of go from there? 
Well, that is, uh, I suppose, a $64 million question, isn't it? Is <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you stick or twist? Uh, and, and that's something that it, it's, it's you know what I mean, a lot of people don't know. And what a lot of people do is they jump on hype. That is, that is probably one of the biggest things. And probably, probably remember Bitcoin in 2018, hype. Remember Tesla for the last year, hype. Now, were those two assets valued that should be valued at that point? No, they shouldn't have been. They were, not, they were massively overvalued. But, but the, the thing is, is that people have supply and demand. And it's the same here with IPOs. But I mean, those two instances obviously weren't IPOs. That was just two companies or Bitcoin, obviously not a company, decentralized which caught the public's imagination with lots of news coverage, et cetera, et cetera. And then people kind of jumped in with an IPO, a little bit different because not all are going to get the, the coverage that other companies would get. Absolutely. But that's, that's what an IPO is. An IPO is about generating enough anticipation with everyone's appetite, stuff like that. And that's one of the things that, that, that people jump in on board is that the IPO is just a huge marketing tool to generate money for that particular company. And um, people then either jump on the bandwagon or they don't. And if we look at it uh, across the last, the last seven IPOs that we've just had, um, to, give you, to give you the list of IPOs that we've just had was um, Snowflake, we had JFrog, we had Sumo, we United Software, we had Virtue Limited, we have Planter Technologies and Answer. They're all, they were all the companies that we had that were IPO'd. Now, out of the IPO of all those companies, now, I know it's only a couple of days or a couple of weeks since they've IPO'd, but only two of them are now up money. And, that is, and, that's, the, and that's the problem with this. You have a lot of these companies that are, are down 5 or 6%, but the two of them that are up, one of them is up 22% and the other one's up 28%. So it, it depends the risk to reward there. It is up to you. So what happens generally on the first day of trading is that you have a huge spike on the first day of trading and then it slowly whittles down because people have jumped in for the IPO initial, initial movements and then they take the profit after the first day, maybe day two, and then they're happy with that and they're out. From a market perspective, it's really interesting actually seeing IPO companies because they very often pump a lot of money into kind of out-of-home advertising or sponsorship just to kind of get that more mainstream awareness before they list in the hope that obviously kind of retail investors then jump in and push up the price of their, uh, their stock. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the classic sort of pump and dump. You, you, have, um, you have an investor. Okay, so just say your company uh, has massively made money over the last five or 10 years. So you're at a point where you have tied an awful lot of money up in this company and you want to release some of that equity. You need, you are, you're trying to go into other ventures and you're probably now leveraged to the hilt in the banks. You're probably paying an awful lot of money on the likes of the money that you borrowed because you've pumped so money much into this, into this company. This, this company could have been your baby. So the idea is now is that you're, you, like you said, you do out of home, you do advertisement, you get a little bit of um, a buzz, good feel-good factor, you whet people's appetite, imagination, stuff like this, and all of a sudden then you have people jumping on the bandwagon. And then, like we said on the first day of the, of the IPO, of the, of the ones that have happened, we had a huge spike. So Snowflake, for instance, Snowflake went from, it went up 55% on the first day of trading. Wow. 
now. And, and so is that people just seeing value in it and seeing the price shoot up and so jumping in on the bandwagon, as it were? Or is that when it's been listed, they've not quite got the value of the initial listing price, correct? See, generally, generally we have is these listing prices are generally massively overvalued. Why? Because they have to hit certain parameters for it to go to be an IPO. What happens is then you have venture capitalist companies to come in, give capital to the, to the actual IPO. Now you're, you're, um, you're, you've met the, the minimum criteria for an IPO now. And all Snowflake's a little bit different because it's the biggest, the biggest IPO on record. Um, you have the likes of Warren Buffett and the likes of Salesforce had a have a put out, I think about two hundred fifty million into into Snowflake what, themselves. What, what is Snowflake? So Snowflake, Snowflake is a is a data capture company. And um, so that was a bigger IPO than uh, what was the one last year? Saudi Aramco. Yeah, so it was bigger. It was bigger than that. Wow. Yeah, so. Uh, so the idea is, is that it is, it's one of these things that it, it, it sorry, the biggest tech, I don't know what it was bigger than. Yeah, I was going to say, was big, could, I'd be very surprised if it was bigger than Saudi yeah, Ramco. So, so the, big, the biggest tech um, IPO. Okay, that so, makes sense. So the, the idea then is, is that people are now jumping on this, they're jumping on the bandwagon, it went up 55%, and then before the day closed, it dropped 28%. So it actually had, it ended up 27% up on the day, but you have, this This is very similar to that, to that pump and dump. What happens is it went up 55%. I'm, I'm an investor that I've put every penny that I have into this, into this company. I now know it's after jumping 55% on the first day of trading. Wouldn't it be an easy way for me to take half my money out of it, wouldn't it? It'd be an ideal. I've made 55% on maybe a hundred million that I've put in there. Okay. And that's, and that's the, and that's the thing when that's, that happens. And then it means that it is Joe blog that is left with, left with his 50 or a thousand or 5,000 pounds worth of a share. And he just has to hold on to it till it becomes, becomes profitable again. Just to jump in here, though, you're, it's not all doom and gloom for an IPO. You know, every company on the FTSE 100 has done an IPO at one stage. So, I mean, you're giving it a bad light here. Well, um, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about recent ones. You've got the likes of Beyond Meat, Peloton, all very successful IPOs. Well, who else has there been? You know, absolutely, absolutely. You, you have that. But the problem is, is that if you look into the stats over the last 20 years, there has been a huge amount of IPOs, but 70% of them have actually lost money. So the problem over is... Over what time frame? Um, over, over the last 10, 20 years. Okay, well, so some since of them, their IPO, they've gone down yes, in value. Absolutely. Since their IPO, they've gone down in value. So the, one of the biggest ones out there, and one of the most, uh, the, the biggest buzz, and even eToro in the time I was at eToro, the biggest buzz was, was actually around Uber. Yeah. Uber was, was a really big IPO at the time. It IPO'd at $47. At this present moment, it's actually trading at 37 which means it has gone down. Now, we actually had a roadmap already for, for, for the likes of Uber because we had Lyft, who had IPO'd just before that. Now, I was looking at the stats this morning. Lyft is down 70%. That is a, that is a, huge, that is a huge downgrade from where you actually started off. Now, like you said, you have mentioned there the likes of Peloton, the likes of Beyond Meat. Now, if you look at Peloton, Peloton were actually down 30% after about a month, a month and a half. How many people would have actually jumped out at that point and gone, no, this is going nowhere? Now, if you hadn't held on to that there and still held on to that, the IPO, you're now up 300%. It's now gone on from strength to strength. This, yeah, this Peloton pandemic. are doing really well, yeah, especially pan- 
with gyms closing absolutely everyone wanted but it's just quite expensive the bikes as well they're sort of i don't know maybe 1500 pounds and you're paying like another 50 quid a month for the lessons i mean i looked I, into it I, 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 actually, I might get into it but i actually have a subscription for that you sorry <laughs> i'm in a little bit of shock right now have you ever yes. used it yes i've never used the bikes but what i'm using is this i have vitality health insurance and one of the things that you get on vitality is a discount to the likes of peloton so they do yoga they do what's it 12 12.99 a month and you have yoga activities boot camps all oh, there that you go stuff like that. so, okay well yeah. let's not uh, pause too much onto henry's weekends but that's the idea and, and you have the likes of beyond meat as well so that's one that i have been in since the day that i would now i am in beyond meat i'm up 277 percent on beyond meat so yes there are some good ipos out there but the point i'm trying to make and for people out there is don't get caught up in the hype you have to do your due diligence. You have to look and look at the company. So if we just go back to Uber there, Uber has not made money. It's not a company that makes money. Yes, it has no cars. It has very little overheads, but the technology is the overhead. And that's, that's it. But it hasn't made money as a company. So then is it a company worth investing in in the IPO? No. Whereas Beyond Meat for me was an absolute win-win for me. I looked into it and we have the likes of veganism, vegetarian. And if you look back at the last 10 years, the numbers of growth on this is exponential year on year. So for me, then it was a no-brainer that this is an industry that has huge amounts of time to grow. And as a company is doing well, then yes. So it massively depends on what you're looking at make sure that your companies have are, are making money make sure you're looking into the background and so make sure they have actually um a, a business plan and play stuff like that so you just have to do your due diligence rather than just jumping on hype okay well let's move on to topic two then which is natural gas well natural gas is obviously a commodity that we use in some respects in the same way as oil for energy on heating cooking electricity generation etc etc so We've talked a lot about oil on recent podcasts, but has lockdown affected natural gas in the same way? Natural gas is very similar to the likes of oil and the way it works in the fields. And, and the, it, it hasn't been anywhere near as affected as much as oil. Now, when we're talking about oil, roads is the biggest, is the biggest um, user of, of oil. Whereas with the likes of, of natural gas, Heating is the biggest thing that is that is used now. What's coming up and now is about to happen in the next in the next week or month or so in, in England here. I presume if we are moving over to winter. Yeah, absolutely okay. winter. Well, I literally I literally just had the NPower man replace my uh, my gas system yesterday, so this couldn't be any more timely. Absolutely. And as that, uh, what was it? Yesterday was the first time I've turned on the heating in the house. Yeah, we um, did that as well. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the idea. Whereas if we look into this, this is, this is a time where we start using the likes of this stuff. This is somewhere where we actually start using the likes of heating in our houses now again. So we would expect the production of, of this to go up. And that's, that's the biggest, biggest industry. Now it has some petrochemicals. It also used in mainstream and plastics, but it's not big enough to drive this market. But the home heating and the cost of electricity in your house, that is what drives this market at the present moment. So one of the big indicators you often talk about is uh, trend. 
Now, looking at the charts for natural gas, it's risen about 29, 30% in 2020, which is obviously a good, good chunk of change. So have we missed the boat or is it still worth looking at? Oh, see, the, the difference with the likes of this is that we need to look into a couple of indicators. Now, one is trend. Yes, so the trend is now slowly starting to go up. Now, the second indicator is that we know that we're coming into winter. Okay, so wouldn't it be worth looking back on data over the last five or 10 years to work out, is this an area where we expect it to grow or not? Wouldn't it? Now, sure. if, you look, if you look back at um, a heat map on data over the last 10 years, if we look at it in August, it went up 1%, September 6, October 7, and December is the only month that it goes down from, from August. Okay, so the, and that's generally over the last 10 years of data. And if you want to see the likes of the heat map, you go to the marketsmakeclear.com and that's where that data is all collated. But if you put it into Google heat maps on historical data on natural gas, you will find that, that there is, there's huge amounts of indicators out there. So we know as a general over the last 10 years, it gets more expensive over these months. So isn't it, isn't it prime? We know that winter's coming. We also know that there is a potential second lockdown coming, which means that people are now working from home. We're going to be in our house more. Yeah. It means we're coming into winter. You know what I mean? There's an awful lot of fundamental analysis there telling us. We also have a trend that's going up on this. So is this a good play? Potentially, yes. Will we still have to wait for the correct setup? So um, do I think this is something that we've missed? No. But over the next two or three months, if we get a good, a good entry on this, yes, we have a level at the 2.480 level. And the next resistance up there is 3.00. Now, so there's a, huge, there's a huge amount of momentum there if you want to trade it on the likes of a CFD. Now, on, if you're trading it as the underlying asset, there's not as much, but on a CFD, there's huge potential there for a 2, 3, even 4 to 1 if you get your entry correct. For all your fundamental reasons that you just mentioned there, would you just be looking at the commodity natural gas or would you look at, say, British gas and investing in that? That is, that is a little bit, little bit more difficult because then you have to go into the fundamentals of the company. Are they making money? We've had a, a pandemic, so on and so forth. So it's not something that I have looked into, but it is something that a lot of people do. Rather, they don't want to trade the CFD and they will be going to the likes of the end powers of this world, the likes of the British gas, the likes of all, of all of those. So yeah, there's, there's absolutely massive room for this to grow. But remember, if you're in a stock, you're only looking to stay in there with for the likes of the quarter. Because remember, December, January, February, it drops off massively, even four, seven, and I think about 10%, because we've already bought our likes of our natural gas. We've already bought the oil heating for your house already. So you're starting, hopefully, coming into the summer or the spring where you don't need it as much. So you're not actually going to spend that outlay of five or 600 quid in oil for, for the winter anymore. So it will be a short-term play if you're sort of looking at the stocks. But if they're rising nicely and they consistently go, then you can start moving your stop loss up and banking in some profit so that if it does take a downturn, you have, you have at least banked in some profit then. Let's move on to topic three, which is Berry Global Group. Now, this is a global manufacturer and marketer of plastic packaging products. I must admit, it's not one that I'd heard of previous to this podcast. Why are we looking at it today? Yeah, it's one of those ones that's off to sort of the beaten track. But if we look at it, it, it hit a high of uh, in 2008, which was $61. Now, but that was back, 2018, wasn't it? 
Oh, sorry, yeah, in 2018, it, it hit a high of $61. But in, in 2020, it's now back up to $51, which is, which is 10% uh, up from the beginning of the year. So this is a company that has now massively gone through the pandemic, and it's now actually up 10% from pre-coronavirus, pre-lockdown, um, pre-the market correction, okay? So we have a prospect of this company is actually doing well. So the company has strong fundamental and growth prospects, and as upperly revised earnings estimate reflects the bullish sentiments on, on this stock. Um, with solid demand on its healthcare products, especially in the pandemic-stricken environment. It, it has had a massive boom in the health hygiene and specialized segment. So this company has five or six different revenue streams, different arms. So it has its plastics. It's done a, a massive deal um, over the last two years, in the last 18 months, where it's actually brought down its carbon footprint and it's doing an awful lot of recycled plastics rather than new plastics. So they have, they have won awards over the last 18 months because of this. Talked quite a lot actually about Oxy and they've been a kind of a similar company who have expanded by buying competitors and other businesses. Didn't work out for them. How's it been going for Barry? Now, this has fared much better than the likes of Oxy. So Oxy bought up one of its competitors and out of the 21 drills, there's only one drill now working, which means it is literally bought the company at the wrong time. Whereas Berry Global has, has had a, a very different trajectory. So from just its acquisitions last year, it's actually made 1 billion in the third quarter. And that is just alone from the companies that it acquired. That is a huge revenue added to their company. And that is, that is phenomenal for Luxury. Now, on the, uh, one of the most important buyers for Berry was RPC Group. Now, the acquisition was completed in July 2019. And since then, the acquired asset has been enhanced Berry's group presence in the plastic and recycling industry. And the affirmation buyer is predicted to generate in cost synergy $150 million annually. Now, and at 85 million expected in the physical 2020 year ending in September. So there are huge potential growths in this one that the acquisition is actually making money itself. It's made 1 billion in profits in, in, in the last quarter. Okay, then you have the likes of the synergy where the cost savings they've also done from it. And it's, it's a win-win situation for the likes of Berry, whereas the likes of Oxy took a very different trajectory. I mentioned earlier that I've not heard of this company before, but I'm obviously not one of the people that they care too much about, <laughs> apart from this podcast. Um, but Wall Street's probably a little bit more on their uh, higher priority list. And so what's the consensus like on Wall Street for this company? Well, the consensus is actually very good. And the price per earnings has risen by 7.8% for the final quarter, which means that the company is doing better than expected and looks like it will have a very strong ending to the year. So Berry has grown 100% since the low of coronavirus. Now, with the, the, with the acquisitions and the bigger demand on the healthcare and the more online deliveries, are now couples for a quarter that could be very, very rosy for the likes of Berry. You know what I mean? If we go into a second lockdown with what they actually do, because they're not just one, one arm. They have the likes of the, the medical facilities. They have the likes of the packaging. They also have 
they have a company are, that is 100% renewable and bamboo. So they're, they're making plastics and stuff from that. So they have won awards for what they have done. They've shifted massively over the last, over the last two years because since 2018, which was the high, they went to a, a massive low. From then, they have just now gone on from strength to strength. So the next quarter or the next six months on this is, looks to be very, very rosy and looks to be quite, quite profitable because as we see, the consensus on Wall Street has gone up by nearly 10%. As a plastic company, or at least primarily a plastics company, obviously a lot of negativity around plastics in all over the, the media for quite some time now. But the fact that they have got the bamboo, um, obviously have to be heavily investing in this kind of more renewable materials. You know, it'll be interesting to see how the company goes. And also from a kind of a personal point of view, I hope plastic to some degree does reduce dramatically because it's not good for the environment. Um, and these sort of companies are the ones who can really, really drive that. Absolutely. And if you look at the, the company's manufacturing team has helped to weather a very difficult storm and they have increased their sales by 50% in Q3. And that was what took them to the 2.9 billion mark, which is an absolute mammoth growth. We talked about it a couple of months ago on, um, on the likes of Zoom. Now, we had a pullback on Zoom. Their earnings was, was 30% bigger, and we saw a 40% jump on the likes of Zoom. Now, when that pullback, I bought that pullback, and I'm now up 30 or 40% on Zoom. With the likes of this, this has had a 50% growth in the Q3. That is absolutely phenomenal. And if, if they can do anything close to this again in Q4, I expect this to continue skyrocketing. Great. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Is there anything else that you think people should be watching? Uh, the, the last week we talked about um, US dollar. It's the same again. We, we now have to wait for to see if US dollar is going to get stronger or is it going to get weaker at the present moment. Is Donald Trump going to recover? Is he not going to recover? Is now Biden, is he going to get sick now? Is he going to come out <laughs> with, the, with yeah. the coronavirus card again? So it, it, it's, we'll, we'll see what happens. But dollar is where it's happening at the present moment. Yeah, all eyes on Trump really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We also have a little bit of a, an upper turn on the likes of the on the likes of the stocks we have earnings season going to come out now very very shortly as well so but for me i'm quite bullish on the likes of the stock market at the present moment and we'll wait and see what happens with us dollar so when it starts moving then we'll look to start trading it with with hopefully dollar strength well thanks for listening to the podcast you can learn more about the markets on henry's weekly webinar which you can find by going on to google and putting etoro trading school and we look forward to speaking to you next week Thanks very much, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.